Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought episode 262, brought to you by Hook'em.com. Good friends at Bud Light. Drink them if you got them. Said Golden here with Kirk Bowles, the duck, and friend of the podcast, Olin Buchanan, our former statesman brethren. The guy that took me off the mean streets of Tyler, Texas, <laughs> and got me to the 512 OB of Texags.com. What's up, brother? You know, te- the, the statesman should be sending me checks each, you know, <laughs> kind of like an agent fee, you know, for, for like that bringing you varsity there. blues money that you always get. Yeah, that $7 every three months. So you. you're you're to blame for said. I have a I had a a, a key role and said oh. coming to this. I had no idea you had so much clout. Major role. I don't. I'm not here. Not for OB. I might make it here eventually, but Major. I don't. I don't get here in '99. I know you just that. the process. That's all. How you doing, Aggieland? Uh, we're doing great. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, or if you've heard anything, but uh, there's been a lot of uh, news for us to report over here. Well, I know the tennis team made uh, the semifinals and yeah. got knocked off before the Longhorns won. So the women's golf team is still playing for the national championship. Well, there you go. Uh, there you go. So, we're, not, we're at women's golf school, among other things. Yeah. We're at tennis <laughs> school over here in Austin. So. I heard y'all swim pretty well, too. Pretty, pretty decent in the pool. Yeah, pretty we're good at we're good at equestrian. So bust this blood feud down for us. Who's had the high ground here, Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher? Um, well, is there any high ground? I don't know if there is any high ground, but if you had to pick, that I would say, uh, in, in an extremely, believe it or not, objective opinion, that, that right. Jimbo does because Jimbo quite frankly, was not the one that threw the first shot. He, he, re- he counterpunched. And I don't know how it is in Austin, but in East Texas, if somebody takes a shot at you, you don't just take it. You know, you fight back. You, you, you throw the, uh, the counterpunch. And uh, we all, you know, we don't have to go back again, but we know what Nick Saban said. And Jimbo Fisher has been adamant since, uh, since our friend Slice Bread, whoever that is, made the accusations about this – ridiculous $30 million slush fund, which you could pay every guy on your team, what, 300,000 plus if you were, if you had that. Nice wow. work. You can get it. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and, you know, Jimbo was uh, reacted to Lane Kiffin back in February and I, and, and that made him even angrier when it was Kiffin because it was a colleague, you know, he understands that mm-hmm. you know, some fly by night website, some guy doesn't even use his real name can say anything, but when it's a, a, a colleague 
that's making some accusations and it's different. And then uh, when it was Nick Saban, who's the uh, goat, the goat, the, the face of college football. And quite frankly, God. somebody that I think you considered a friend if you're Jimbo Fisher. Of course. I think it stings even more. And uh, uh, to be accused that you paid off your, your everybody, your whole team, or he meant the whole recruiting class. Right. Uh, it really, you know, it demeans his program, all the work they put into the recruiting, you know, the, uh, were all the kids on the take, you know, all those things. And I think that's why he took such a, uh, so much offense to that. You know, I, I'll say this. Um, he never, he shouldn't have said it, but I'm going to tell you why I think he said it. I don't mm-hmm. think it was, a. I, it was a shot at Jimbo, but Jimbo, I thought, was collateral damage in those comments because he's speaking to a group of deep-pocketed Alabama football fans, and 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 it was a passive-aggressive way of going, y'all got to dig deeper because he's oh, no. that money. There's no doubt that's what he wanted. He want, he was saying he wanted to say, look, this NIL thing is real and. You know, some schools are doing this and some schools are doing that. And some guys have the pancake factory and some guys have this and some guys have that. And in Alabama, you know, we don't have a pancake factory. You got a bunch of guys waffling. So, uh, we don't have oil wells in Alabama either. <laughs> so, you got to do something, man. You got to sell, sell more shrimp. Uh, more and, <laughs> that's right. And you got you to gotta pony up more. And that would have been fine. Nobody would have took offense to that. But when you come out and say, oh, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars, and Deion Sanders comes back and says, I don't even get paid a million dollars. Yeah, I said that kid never, his family never asked for a bag. Right. And uh, he got a bag. Oh, I'm sure. Well, Jackson didn't give it to him. Yeah. What is it? it was uh, Travis Hunter, I think is his name. Yeah, but the, the uh, bar stool. Barstool Sports, yes. Or, you know, when you come out and take shots at Miami as well. But, you know, when you say a program paid for everybody, Mm -hmm. I would say, all right, I need more than that, coach. How do you know this? Who got what since you're so much information? Because I can walk into a restaurant and see Cedric or Kurt maybe sitting at lunch with a woman. And I can come to the conclusion, oh, he's cheating on his wife. Well, what if I find out? that it's a business lunch or, you know, it's a friend or it's a relative in town. You know, you got to find out more information before you make those kind of statements. And And didn't he say something about the NIL yesterday that one of his, of his top 11 signees, only one has an NIL. Is that right? Yes. And I think, I don't know. Whose fault is that? Pardon? Whose fault is that? I mean, what? it means they got an NIL. Only one has an NIL deal so far. Oh, you yeah. said Jimbo said this or Saban? Yeah. Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo said that. Oh, Jimbo. I thought you were saying Saban was saying no. it. No, Jimbo. Saban's the guy that was paying, what, he bragged a year ago that his uh, quarterback already got a million dollars? Yeah. And now he's you – know. Well, there is one difference. There is one difference. Yeah, I know. He's already on the roster. Yeah, it's – it's recruiting inducement. That's what has everybody up in arms, mostly. As re- and I wrote last week, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, 
just put in a rule that you have to be on campus a year before you can get NIL. They were getting getting nothing, you know, a year ago. Now they're getting six figures and up. And I would think that would fix maybe some of it, but you can still make a promise to a quarterback, come here for a year, then I'll give you a million dollars. So you have to be on campus for a year to get paid. Yeah. So did you work for the Statesman for a year before? Oh, my God. Did did I text you that? Did I text you that last week? I know. You said it. You, hey, 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 wait a minute. These are amateurs. We are sharing a brain. I've read your copy. You're an amateur. The duck. The (laughs) duck. You're unbiased working for Texag. He texted me and Brian Davis that exact thing last week. And I go, Did you have to wait a year to get working? We're statesmen. We have a professional job. These are supposedly amateurs. They're not. Nothing. They're not. No. No. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, great for these athletes. Great. I am so glad they're getting this, okay? But I think a lot of us think, well, is it out of control? You know, if you polled every coach, it'd probably be 90% against NIL because really coaches are for coaches more than the athletes. But it is chaos right now. If you have coaches going at each other's throats, you got a problem, okay? I don't I'm think just saying. Coaches- Give these athletes every penny they can make, but there's there needs to be a few guardrails. I don't see any problem with that. Uh, you know, Fisher, among others, has said, "Hey, there's there needs to be some national rules, exactly guidelines." Yeah, that's what I'm suggesting. What would you suggest? I don't know that that's the the answer to say you have to be here a year. But it's not a recruiting a semester. It's not a recruiting inducement. It'd still be promises. So how would you fix it? What guardrails would you put up? Well, first thing I would say is once you sign that dotted line and you're on campus and you enroll in classes, then that money can start flowing in. That's still recruiting inducement. If- yeah, but you're trying to make them wait a year. These kids are broke. They were getting nothing a year. Do, do, the, do the transfers have to wait a year? No. They've already been- oh, so your quarterback can come from Ohio State and make money all – Well, I want to hear y'all's guardrails. I've heard nothing – from you two, it's just like, why? What guardrails would you put up? Have I don't. First of all, I'll go first. Ob, I'll go first. First of all, I don't. I think tough if it's out of control because they've been playing for free for a hundred years. Let these kids get money, and if sure. it and, and if they can get, they can sell themselves to the higher highest bidder. And I'm going to tell you, two only two percent of these guys going to ever see. The inside sure. of an NFL locker room. I'll so be less. they maximize their earning potential if they can get money right now. Because in five years or in three years, when a coach decides he's not good enough to play for me, he's going to be languishing on the bench. So if he can get money, he or she can get money. Let him get money. Or um, too guardrails. Uh, I'm going to let the the coaches and the presidents and the ads worry about that. How's that going? If 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 Quinn Buchanan is a Division One quarterback, and uh, by the way, he named his son Quinn Buchanan way before he met Irma. We had that conversation in like 2001. He knew he knew what his kid's name was going to be. But if Quinn Buchanan is a D1 quarterback, and 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 he can get money before he gets to campus, I'm I'm taking the bag. Well, let everybody else worry about that because 
there's cheating and there's widespread corruption and they've always paid kids under the table. And now there's a semblance of legality now. I don't have a problem with it. I don't. Um, I think our, I'm not a, a typically a fan of Colin Cowherd, but he made a great point. I don't know if you saw his podcast where he's talking about why, why Nick Saban's so upset about it. He said, you know, if it comes to X's, X's and O's, he can do he can do that with anybody. Like so, when they when he everybody goes back, well, he didn't like the spread offenses, but he decided to adopt a spread offense. Well, in this situation, there's really nothing he can do because he's going to recruit against A and M and Texas and other state programs whose states generate a lot more money than Alabama has, and they can always outbid him. Sure, that's why he's he's absolutely. Upset with this. Um, but I don't know what the guard, uh, the guidelines should be. Uh, if you want to say that a guy can't be affiliated with the university, well, that's just, that's right piece. do I need to bring up big red auto imports that was not affiliated with the university 10 years ago or whatever it was, but it was still paying Rhett Bomar. And a well, bunch of other there's no way boosters are going to be the ones paying the money. Yeah. So and it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? And the school should be happy. It's not coming out of the school's pocket. And as long as the school itself is not paying, and by the way, I will disagree with Cedric to to this extent. I don't say that payers have never been getting paid because, (laughs) as I know, having to pay for a college education, you're getting something that's very expensive. However, they should have never been denied a chance to make name, image, and likeness. And if some guy wants to pay them $1,000 for their autograph, they should be able to get $1,000 for their autograph. So I do agree uh, with said that uh, these kids were, um, they were used uh, for too long. And the NCAA was making, I remember watching that, that uh, my son played the video game, college football video game. Oh, yeah. And it was funny because he had the one AM, Ryan Tannehill. You know, it was the it was the Ryan Tannehill's number. It was the the quarterback was a tall white guy. <laughs> but of course it wasn't Ryan Tannehill. And mm-hmm. so Ryan Tannehill wasn't gonna get any of the money, right? Um it was, we all know how hip, hip uh hypocritical it's been. And the NCAA, anybody that was paying attention oh, knew yeah. that this was coming, and they never even tried to get ahead of it and say, okay. Let's put some rules and guidelines in place sure. now. They nope. kicked they the left it up down to the road for They wanted no part of this. And then they asked the federal government to bail them out. It was too late. It's too late. No, it all falls on the NCAA. I don't know. Don't you – how much of it – obviously, Nick is appealing to the Alabama boosters. No question about that. Also, OB, don't you think he's just mad? He lost to Georgia. He lost to A&M on the football field. He lost to A&M in recruiting. Don't you think it just got under his skin? Well, if you hear Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> he's such a narcissist that, <laughs> uh, that uh, with a God complex, that, of course, <laughs> it got under his skin. Right. Uh, was that not the greatest, though, exchange between coaches since maybe uh, John Chaney was threatening to kill Calipero? Oh, I'll kill you. Right I'll up there. Kill you. It's right up there. We laughed so hard at that, OB. I was oh, oh my God. God. I, if, if that, and that was before viral was viral. 
Yeah. That happened today. That, that, that happened today. Like 10, min- 10 million clicks. Calipari was scared. Do you think they might be suspended a game, or do you think the conference office will take no, they've already given it all? They've already given them the, the – Oh, I know. The risk. The if, they were gonna, if they were going to – if they were going to suspend them for a game, maybe you know it'd be great if they suspended them for the October eighth game. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we both know if they were to suspend them for a game, which they won't, yeah, it'll be probably that that late uh, November game or early November game against <clears throat> nobody. You that everybody in the SEC plays mm-hmm. the cupcake game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. This, this, October eighth is going to be like the Super Bowl. You imagine the buildup. That week is going to be awesome. Well, you know what? But them, what? Them to suspend these two coaches would be again <laughs> to Draymond Green getting a second technical foul. Yeah, it's just not happening. No, it's not going to happen. You know, not to give Jimbo a free pass. He's saying, "I don't even know what a collective is," but you know, he does. but we didn't do anything wrong. Well, like, I mean, he didn't say he didn't know what a collective is, didn't he? No, he said he didn't know. What well, they were doing. Yeah. Well, what's the difference? Well, because you don't know what they're doing. You know, the, uh, I will say this. He may be like, look, you, it's, everybody's got to decide for themselves if they believe what someone is saying, what they don't. Right? Sure. Um, just being around him for the last five years, the guy is so focused on just coaching that he's the type that says, you take care of this. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is coach and build my team. So, so maybe not. But he did say when he was talking to the guy in San Antonio last uh, the other day, he said he did say I called, I did my research by calling the compliance department and say what is go, you know, what's our situation here? Now you can either take him at his word or not. If you go to A and M and you favor the Aggies, you probably take him at his word. If you follow Auburn, maybe you take him at his word. If you follow Texas, you think he's absolutely lying. I know. And then, you know, do you, he thinks they paid for every player. Nick Saban, you know, said as much. And, you know, they're doing the same thing at Alabama, not to the same level, obviously. But, you know, first of all, even uh, at least half of that class was committed to A&M before the NIL was – I don't know what's the word, ratified. Yeah, last June. Whatever. But start breaking it down. Gabriel Brownlow Dindy was committed to Oklahoma. And Lincoln Riley left. His dad now works in Bryan. So the coach that you committed to left. He's not going to USC. So he goes to A&M. Does that seem that odd that, that that would happen? He should be free to leave. If your coach leaves, you should be free to leave. And but it doesn't seem that odd that he chose AM, which was his second pick, and his dad's oh, oh, right. Only if his dad's a Jimbo assistant, and I know no, his dad's a uh I can't I can't tell you the denomination, but he work, he's a preacher and he works with one of the churches in town. Or mm-hmm. not with a church, but with a church organization. Mm-hmm. Um then there's a Max uh Jake Johnson, the number one tight end in the country. He's going to LSU, but they have a coaching change. And his brother is no, not having it uh, for who knows what kind of conversation went on between Max and uh, and Brian Kelly. So Max Johnson says, hey, he's going to transfer here. Well, his brother's going to play with him. So, I mean, I mean, there's two five-star guys that they got right there that came down to 
you know, there, there's some other issues involved. And then if you follow recruiting, which I never did until the last couple of years, apparently Houston always has a ton of talent, but apparently it was a bumper crop last year. Mm-hmm. And so is it really that big a stretch that A&M would get a whole bunch of guys out of Houston? Not at all. I mean, if a lot of guys from Houston went to Texas, would would that would you even would that surprise anybody? If That's a lot of guys year. from New Orleans went to Louisiana, uh, went to LSU, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. No. If no. A lot of guys from LA went to USC. But now that they've got all this talent, I mean, I know Aggies are tired of eight win seasons. Going back to Kevin Sumlin, uh, a lot of a lot of great freshmen that lost a lot of players. Uh, you know, I've seen top five preseason polls that have the Aggies in it, which seems a little premature to me. Uh, if I you were thinking so. the Aggies or ranking the Aggies right now, as far as the talent, you know, with breaking in a new quarterback, where you where do you think they belong, OB? I, if it was me, I'd put them at about number 11. I think okay. they're going to be good. I think they're going to be real good. But I'd put them at 11 just outside the top 10 because of the quarterback uh, question. Now, you can say they were eight and four, and that was true. Uh, quarterback play was a real problem, but they also had tons of injuries in the offensive line. That's why they started two freshmen up in the right. offensive line. And even in the Alabama game, not only did they start two freshmen, but then they had another injury and they started to back up Blake Trainer at guard. Uh, so they had two freshmen a backup against Alabama in that game. They had injuries at receiver that – you know, people don't realize, like Caleb Chapman, who just come, transferred to Oregon, he, he uh, was out more than he played. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase Lane, who'd been a starter since his freshman year, was out. So they had a lot of injuries. Right. Uh, and I think if you have a team with a lot of injuries, and especially at quarterback, it's not a stretch to think it's not going to be as good. And yet they were in a position – to either win or tie in the fourth quarter in every one of those games they lost. Now you got to win them. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, but you also got to be able to look at things and understand what was going on. Now, when Texas won that national championship in 2005, I was working with you guys in Austin. Mm-hmm. And if my memory serves, they really were pretty unscathed when it came to injuries that year. Oh, absolutely. And so, offensive you know, line played the whole year. Oklahoma in 2000 didn't have one injury to a starter when they won the national championship. So, so right. So that's a big key. A and M had a, had a bad year in terms of injuries. People always say, well, they got to give it more than eight wins. Well, just two years ago, when all, when a lot of guys start to re you're recruiting guys about a year ahead, they went nine and one against an all sec schedule. Had Mm -hmm. they been able to play the 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 schedule had COVID not interrupted, they're probably going eleven and one in the regular season. We don't have any, even that that conversation. So, um, uh, I think if A and M is healthy, that uh, you know that, that they're going to have a a really good year. Um, I think if you look at okay, you're losing Isaiah Spiller. All yeah. right, give me Devon Achain chain all day long. Mm-hmm. I, like I think it. I think AJ's better. The fastest really. as in college football. Uh, he uh, averages a ten yard gain every four ca- uh, every four carries. Damn good. Uh, you uh, you're gonna lose. Uh, you lose Kenyon Green. Well, Kenyon Green, you're not gonna be better. 
Isaiah Spiller, Jalen Watermeyer. You lose a lot of Watermeyer Lee- actually had an off year last season. He did. He dropped a lot of passes. Um, Didn't get drafted either, did he? Right. So. Uh, but he was a good, productive guy. Yeah, he was. But you know, gosh, Jimbo has this this history of first year tight ends. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Jake Johnson or or Donovan Green's going to come in and be an All American, but. They brought in Jay Sternberger. Now he was a junior, but it was first year here, and he was an All American. And then he was a man. And he was a man. Guy, uh, uh, yeah. uh, so who knows? Well, as food um, as this class is, how many of these freshmen do you think will come in and, and play significant minutes? Start or well, continue? I think Evan Stewart starting from day one at yeah. wide receiver. Okay, right. uh, I don't know about Cam Dewberry, but I think he's going to have a chance to start. Um, Hey, Jimbo doesn't mind putting an offense, uh, a freshman started offensive line. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have to start him, but I wouldn't be surprised if Walter Nolan right. got into the starting right. lineup. Right. But I, it's not a, but that, if, especially if they play him inside, it's not a slam dunk because they're good there with McKinley Jackson and uh, Shamar Turner mm-hmm. and Isaiah Rakes. They're good in the, uh, they need some help at end. Yeah. They've got some guys they think are going to be outstanding, but they got to actually do it. So, um, and then I would think Denver Harris is a possible at cornerback. But uh, as far as guys coming in and be being potential starters. Mm-hmm. That's I think a tough that nut to crack. Yeah, what? That's tough. But, I mean, they, they've yeah. got experience. I mean, they, they, it's not like they, yeah. they won three games and it's right. all hands on deck. They, They're probably a year away, aren't they? They're well, really I, think, that good. I think that if you uh, look at it on paper, and your objective, or you feel like you're trying to be objective, you would say, yeah, they're a year away because in in 2023, mm-hmm. theoretically, you have a return, you have a quarterback that has started for an entire year and he's coming back. And you have all those guys from the best recruiting class ever that are now ready to play, right? Right. And yet my think is my take is you've been recruiting in the top five for four years. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to put it off? I think they should be uh, – now, I'll get Alabama's probably going to be num- rated number one and the favorite to win the national championship. They're Ohio State probably. Right. But I have no – you know, I think that you should put a uh, goal of 10 wins. And if, and if, you, if you win two or fewer than 10 games, uh, especially if you don't have a huge injury issue, then, uh, then uh, it's a disappointment. And then if you can win 10 games, maybe you go into Tuscaloosa with a, you know, maybe you're undefeated. Both teams are undefeated and you're playing essentially Mm -hmm. for a championship. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the Vegas odds makers have the win total over unders for Texas and Texas A&M eight and a half, eight and a half. Where do you guys sit on that? I I I I homered up about a month ago and said Texas is going to go nine and three, but I've come I'm coming back off of that. I in my heart I don't see them winning nine games this year. That was quick, quick turnaround. I, well, I just I, I would take about this quarterback situation and 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 the people they lost. Um, they feel like an eight and four to me. But what do you think about the Aggies, Ob? Well, I would I would take the over on a and M, uh, and. I would take uh, I would take the over on Texas. 
Really? Eventually, wow. the fact that you have more talent than almost everybody else in your in that in that lame conference that you're in, eventually, got to Colin, Did you see the draft? I don't. Did you see the NFL draft? How can you say that? More talent based on the recruiting rankings. Oh well, what does that got them? Got to coach them up, Ob. Yeah, the coach I mean, they still got problems in O line. They still got they don't have a lead pass rusher. They're weak at linebacker depth, and they got they're breaking in a new quarterback. What could go and, wrong? And tell me, okay, and, and as you know, Aggies would just would would love to hear everything you said just then. But tell me, what team in the in the Big Twelve doesn't have the, the same warts? I'm sure Oklahoma doesn't. Okay. Baylor so, doesn't. Baylor goes from two and seven to winning 12, win the big 12 and beating Georgia. Who did they beat the Sugar Bowl? Ole Miss. In the Sugar Bowl. So, you know, they haven't shown they developed talent yet, OB, as you but know. But their coach is only – and I'm not – I'm not – I'm not a big Sarkeesian guy because as a head coach, he's been mediocre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever. I mean, that's fair. That's fair, isn't it? That is fair. Absolutely. But he's he's in a mediocre conference, as you guys know, and that's why Texas and Oklahoma is moving. Yeah, but they got to play Alabama. You know what that's like, having to play Alabama? Yes, I do. I do, as a matter (laughs) of fact. And and the Aggies play Miami uh, week two, right? (laughs) Yeah, week three, I think it is. Week three. That's their big non-conference game. Then you have three three or four or five cupcakes. I forget what it is. Is Sam Houston a cupcake? Huh? Is Man Appalachian LA, right? Well, is Appalachian State a cupcake? It's no UTSA, right? Texas also has to play. <laughs> I wonder if they're as good as they were last year. Oh my God, that could that be, might be a problem. That might be a problem. A problem. I don't know if they're as good as they were last year. They lose that running back since McCormick. McCormick. I'm not sure. Seriously gone. Yeah, I know they had a bunch of seniors. So, uh, but uh, I don't know. Miami. That could be interesting. With uh, Cristobal as the new coach. I will be honest. Yeah. I have become, over the last 10 years, and I've been with Texas coming up on 10 years, I have become an SEC snob when it comes to non-conference games. How do you mean, and snob? Because I just assume that the SEC team is going to win. More often than not, they do, unless you oh, got a – Citadel, really? Against non-conference teams? Non-conference teams, unless you got a – buffoon for a coach that can't hold on to a 34-point lead in 17 minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but too soon. Too yeah, soon. it's always going to be too soon. Yeah. But uh, hey, hey, but, One thing I want to, too, is ask both of you, is that there's been a lot of talk about SEC uh, pods, division, all that, and I'm hoping they go to nine games. I saw something ESPN yesterday. Maybe they'd even talked about going to 10 SEC games, which I think all of us in the media and the fans would love, you know, but they've got to go to nine conference games over eight. I I, I would hope so. Yeah. Um, You know, nobody wants to see that, you know, you get that lame game in, in November. That's terrible. You know, everything's been going so well and then, and then it stops. It's kind of like listening to an eight track tape. You know, you're (laughs) digging the the song and then it stops. Yeah. and, and then have to start over again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I would hope so, uh, especially on top. You know, you've, you've heard this. You know, A&M has been in the SEC for 10 years now and wow. has played Georgia once. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Crazy. Haven't been to Kentucky yet. Yeah. 
the only reason they've been to Tennessee is because of COVID year. They got to fix uh, that. They got to fix that. So, uh, so, so I would hope they'd go to nine games. Yeah, I do too. I hope they have the the pods where you play the other three, and then you, the other twelve you play six one I, year, and then you well, play the other six the next year. If it's a pod, uh, what what do you think the Texas pod is? It's got to be Oklahoma, Arkansas, and A and M in Texas. It's got to be. No, I don't think license to print money. I don't think it has to be. Here's what I think. Here's rivalries. what it's about rivalries. Here's what I, well, it doesn't mean that you don't pay play somebody outside your pot every year. Well, you are. That's only three games. Well, I know, but you can still play games outside your pot. I think they're going to look for two really big programs and then two of the others in each pot. So my thinking is Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri. Texas A&M, LSU, yeah. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Okay. Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Kentucky. So what do y'all think about that? Well, let me ask you this. So in your system, A&M and Texas wouldn't play every year? No, I didn't say that because I did say that you can play a team every year outside of your pod. So, so I can so you, you play your pod three teams and then one other team. Yeah, so that way that way uh, Georgia and Auburn get to continue, you know, th- their their uh, uh, rivalry, their rivalry that's been going on for what the South's longest. Yeah. So you say you play the other three in your pod, one other permanent rival that makes four, and then another five teams. Yeah. Here's a question that we're having to ask him. Are you saying that A and M and Texas shouldn't be in the same pod? Ob. Well, I would say yeah, yeah. As long I, as they play, they'd still play. But yeah. you don't want them in the same pod. Uh, I kind of like the LSU thing going on with with A and M, and I think it's 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 really good. Um, you know what? It's about to take a back seat, though. It just is. Oh well, no, no. Texas and A and M's always yeah, going to be. That's, yeah, that's going to be a blood war again. But, but once again, do you want to have a pod where you've got Texas, Oklahoma, um, Arkansas, Texas A&M, and did you say Arkansas? Because mm-hmm. then – but then are you going to have Missouri, Ole Miss, Mississippi yeah. State, LSU? No, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's too know. easy for LSU. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree. Really good. That is an excellent point. I think yeah. you want to get two super heavyweights and two heavyweights. Yeah, so yeah, with, the built, with the built-in rivalry happening every year. Yeah, with a built-in rivalry every year. That's the way I would yeah. that's kind of I mean, sexy. I gotta admit, Sankey hadn't called me and asked me my uh, opinion on it. You don't I'm, like sure called, I'm sure he's called Kirk though. That's oh, we problem. talk every day. We talk every day. So the the other problem with that is that somebody's mediocre today and then they're great tomorrow. Looks like like Tennessee was always a, a football powerhouse. They've they're coming back a little bit, but they've fallen off the map. Kentucky was a joke. And, and they're you know, respectable. Well, you know, uh, LSU and Florida have this thing going, right? So they could play. But LSU, I don't know if you guys know this. You probably do because you cover from a national scope as well. But LSU's been angry for a long time that they play Florida every year and Alabama plays Tennessee. Right, right. Like, and I don't blame them one bit. Right. Yeah. So it's all – so what's different? You know, the, at least this now, Alabama and Tennessee, under what I was suggesting, yeah, they're going to play every year, but they're in the same pod. And so 
maybe Alabama plays, I don't know, maybe Alabama plays LSU every year. Yeah. I don't think they want that either. What they should just do, you got 16 teams, play a 15-game schedule, play everybody round robin. Then we got 15 glorious SEC games every Saturday. Yeah, I look forward to that big Vanderbilt matchup. It'd be the Garden of Eden. It'd be awesome. See what I got to deal with. See what I got to deal with on a weekend. Hey, hey, you know, they're talking about having, I don't know if you saw it, Sid, Pete Thamel of ESPN had a story this week saying about they could be an SEC-only tournament at the end of the year. Yeah. I have either that, eight teams or four teams and have whatever. their own tournament. Yeah, whatever, I think, that, I think that's Greg Sankey trolling everybody. Yeah. Just, well, he's mad. He's mad because they didn't go to 12 teams. I am too. He should be mad, you know. I mean – I mean, Pac-12 kind of holding people back. and I think Sankey's just kind of flexing some muscle there. Yeah. And everybody's so attention wants to kick some sand in the pencil yeah. necks on the beach in their face. All the, all the leagues are mad at each other right now. So now, now, here's what could get crazy is if the Big Ten went along with that. So, yeah, we're going to do it too. Yeah. Or have an SEC Big Ten only. That, right. And then it's like, well, what else matters? Yeah, maybe if if Big Ten would add Clemson, then we could do that. Just have an eight-team Big Ten SEC showdown and the heck with the rest of the, the teams. That'd be exciting. Yeah. And Notre, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame too. Uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. In the South, in the Midwest, sure. Yeah. It's been fun. West, not so much. Yeah, not so much. Well, it's all – you know, I miss the days when we used to argue – and debate in the office. Oh my God. I don't think I'd be allowed in the office anymore. <laughs> but, but uh yeah, it's fun. I've enjoyed it. Thank you guys for calling and uh and allowing me to be part of this. Well we're glad to straighten you out, you know, and, <laughs> and drop some knowledge on you. It's been fun. Well one more thing before we let him go. Okay. There's a possibility that the Longhorns and Aggies this time next week can be might be playing in a regional together. Needs to at Olson Phil at Bluebell Park. Ob, I know you've been I know you've been waxing poetic on the greatness of friend of the plot podcast coach Schloss. What what would that atmosphere be like? I I I just think it would be raucous. That would oh, be you know it's amazing. it's always raucous when Texas and and A and M play, but um. There's a lot of excitement. There's always a lot of excitement about around baseball here, but it's spiked because they've exceeded everybody's expectations. They won the SEC West. Um, and somebody from Big Texas Fan tweeted out earlier this year that AM would be lucky to finish in the top five. And so every Aggie has retweeted that <laughs> this last week. Uh, but yeah, I think, and I think that'd be great. I think it'd be great if Texas came over and, uh, you know, I visited Aggie Land for that for that tournament. Would you want to wait till twenty twenty five? Would you be the Would you be the third seat? Oh wow! Wow! Yeah, obviously you haven't seen Ivan Melendez play, have you? The, the, the Titanic Hispanic. That's the guy. I want to see that Titanic. guy. Yes, yes. You'd pay money to see this guy. He he probably the best power hitter in yeah. school history. Do they do they did the, the Longhorns pay money to see him? No. Do the Longhorns pay money to see him? Is there an NIL deal for him? He hasn't spoken about that. I don't think. uh, 
He is. Anybody so. ask him about him? Oh, it's Jimbo about it. Jimbo probably knows. I wish there would be a couple of Hispanic initiatives in our in our great city. There might be a couple of Hispanic co- companies um, floating around that might want to throw a, f- a few dollars his way. But it's would- too late. He's a senior. He's leaving. Yeah, he's got another week or two. So well, he better make it fast. He better make it fast. Absolutely. So when he when he when he um when he hits home runs and he's running around the bases, they play Celine Dion. My heart will go on from Titanic as he's rounding oh, the bases. Okay, it's pretty good. Dad, I would have paid. I would have. I would have maybe suggest something from Selena. I like her too. The Titanic reference, but he's the Titanic. I get it. I get it. I get it. I like that. I like that. You know, um, uh, it makes it fun at the ballpark, right? It does. Stuff like that. All about having fun. Yeah. Well, I hope we have fun. I hope you guys are coming over if it comes if if that happens, and uh, I'll get a chance to straighten you guys out in person. Somebody, (laughs) somebody needs to. (laughs) It'll be the duck. It won't be me. Uh, I took I took hoops. I, I went to Milwaukee, of all places. I, I took the Milwaukee trip. So uh, if there's columns to be written on the road, it's going it's gonna to be from the uh, the Mary Mallard. It won't be from me. Yeah, but, I mean, you guys can spring for a trip to College Station. I made that trip from Austin to College Station two or three times a week back in the day. They said you can just come for the festivities, if nothing else. So. You can always stay at my house if they don't want to spring for a hotel. Uh, I can bunk up with Buck. <laughs> Buck Buchanan, the German, German shepherd. shepherd. <laughs> oh, my God. That damn dog makes me laugh. Oh, my Man, God. This has been great stuff. You guys Thanks are great. It was awesome. You appreciate it, man. Over there. I miss you guys. Uh, say hello to anybody that's still in the office that was there when I worked there. Well, what's, we an, what's, an office? what's an office? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, if you ever get back in. <laughs> See you, brother. Take care, bud. Everybody. Bye-bye. That was a big-time podcast today, Duck, all over texags.com. National columnist Olin Buchanan on Saban v. Jimbo all over Texas softball and more to come next week. That will do it for episode 262. Of On Second Thought, for the Duck, Kirk Bowles, I'm Sad Golden. We'll see you next time. On Second Thought. Duck joining us on the hotline, uh, Texas softball coach Mike White. Longhorns took care of business in Seattle in three games, advancing to the Super Regional where they will play Arkansas Thursday. Game one is 6 o'clock on the deuce. Coach, how are you today? Pretty good. Thank you, Cedric. Uh, Excited uh, to have come through that Washington Regional. It was a tough one. Uh, A little late getting back last night, but, uh, hey, we're ready to go. So are y'all's bodies on West Coast time zone or Central or – uh, how would you uh, describe your chances of fatigue and being a factor for you guys? Are you worried about that? Well, I, I think at this time of year, you have sleepless nights anywhere you're at. So, you know, it's always thinking the mind's going, it's hard to shut it off. And so for me, it doesn't really matter, but I'm more worried about my players, you know, and how they're going to do and how they're going to re- react to it. We'll we'll have a, a little bit of a practice this afternoon just to stretch things out and walk through the uh, opposition in Arkansas. You made, awesome. a of, made a little bit of history. The um, 
first Texas team since 98 to win a regional outside of McCombs. Um, being road tested is a big deal at this time of the year, and and uh, five, four other teams won road regionals. Um, I guess defense travels, and uh, you you guys have have played played really good on, in that area. And how important is that uh, leading in against a number four ranked Arkansas team? Yeah, well, it's it's no secret that uh, you know our, our defense at time has been a little suspect. Uh, especially early in the season, but lately we've really turned that around. And, uh, you know, Mia Scott at third base is playing well. Uh, Alyssa Washington at shortstop is fantastic. And Janae Jefferson, of course, is just uh, always there. And, um, you know, she's doing great. And, you know, Katie Simmons is holding her own. And then Iacopa behind the plate, you know, no one's really stealing on her. She's able to throw people out. So, you know, that combined with um, Dulcini throwing real well, uh, you know, we're, we're tough to get, tough to score against right now. Uh, looking at looking at the, the numbers, Mike, <clears throat> you'll hit 301 as a team. Your pitchers through 28 innings, 21 strikeouts, batting average opponents, 192. Your pitchers at a 1.00 ERA. Uh, and you faced adversity and won on the road, like said, said, battle tested. In a way, even losing that first game Sunday to Washington. I don't know. Did, does that kind of help y'all having faced adversity on the road like that and playing that well? Well, we have talked about that a lot is that, you know, we've faced a really tough schedule. We have faced adversity, which has created opportunity for a number of players. And for us as a team, um, I feel like we've faced a lot of really good pitching this year, um, a lot a variety of type of pitching, uh, you know? Uh, so I think just that builds the confidence that, if you've seen it, you've done it before, you've been able to overcome it, I think it's something we can ride going into this uh, Super Regional. And you made a, a strategic pitching decision, which I thought was brilliant. You know, you saved Haley from uh, the game one and pitched Estelle, uh, a little bit more experienced than maybe Sophia as a freshman. Could you talk about that decision that what all went into that? <laughs> it was nerve-wracking, to tell you the truth. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, because Estelle hasn't uh, – you know, she struggled, especially first innings. You know, her, her ERA for the first inning has been quite high, and once she settles in, it's fine. So it was like, okay, all hands on deck, first inning, in case something happens. But, you know, we, it's, you know, I got asked before, you know, what was the big moment in that regional? And I think that was a big moment for us to be able to save Dulcini. And it was something that, okay, are we playing just to win a game or are we playing to win the regional? Exactly. And I think to play the regional, to win the regional, we had to throw one of our other pitches that game. It's the part I love the most about the about the about the tournament. It's the love chess. It. It's the chess pieces, especially with pitching. Um, I know I know you had to play Washington twice on Sunday, and Haley throws 199 pitches, pitched both games, 14 total innings, gave up only two earned runs, and um, and said she's ready to go again <laughs> on Thursday. How's she feeling? I know it's I know it's different than baseball. The 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 uh, stress on the arm, but how's she feeling? And uh, how much how much work can you get out of her? Um, and better yet, are you going to? I guess you got to start her in a super regional. That's two out of three. Yeah, well, it's something we got to analyze today when we have practice. Like I said, we have a practice at two o'clock today, and just maybe not so much physical stuff. I'm I'm going to tell Haley not even pick a ball up. You know, just leave that ball alone. Right. Uh, but just see how her body feels. Um, I think she's ready to go mentally. And that's the biggest thing, you know. Um, I think she believes she's in a good spot right now and wants to carry this team. 
but it's just a matter of, you know, is she a physically able to do that? And I'm going to discuss that with our training staff, our medical staff, and, and we have some of the best uh, in, in the business without a doubt. So I trust their uh, expertise and their opinions. And, um, you know, if, if it doesn't happen that way, you know, someone else is going to step up. Uh, and that's the way it is, you know, but um, I, I fully expect Haley really to go Thursday. Well, Arkansas is not exactly your average cupcake, <laughs> you know, with the SEC. What are they, what, 47-9? and nine. Uh, They swept their regional, beat your old Oregon team, yep. uh, scored 26 runs. They've won 16-17. Boy, you got a pretty big challenge facing you, don't you, Mike? Well, yeah, you look at them with 109 home runs, I think it is, or thereabouts. It's over 100, uh, which is tremendous, you know. They're putting up some video game numbers. And I think if you look at the offenses, you know, they kind of, them and Oklahoma kind of stand out above everybody else as far as those types of, of things. And right. they're getting contributions not just from one or two players. You know, they've got a couple of kids with over 20 home runs. Uh, so they're difficult, uh, without a doubt, um, you know, but we know the good pitching can, can neutralize good hitting. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's what we've got to do. We've got to play good defense. We've got to neutralize the big hitters if we can. And then, uh, you know, attack your two pitches, which will be half um, and uh, Dels, you know, who are two completely animal. I think uh, half is a little more like Gabby playing, a little slower, spinning, you know, off speed. Uh, and then Dels is a more velocity and stuff split and up and down. Um, so they're, they're two different challenges where, you know, last week we knew it was going to be Gabby playing three times pretty much. Right. And that's what we practice for with, with this upcoming Super Regional. It's a little more difficult. Well, your senior second baseman, Janae Jefferson, she is the OG, going to the national team, drafted by Athletes Unlimited, and um, the, the greatest Texas player since the, the big cat, uh, yeah. our friend Cat Osterman. Um, how important is it to get to get her over that super regional hump? Because uh, she's she's obviously the best player to never play in a College World Series. Yeah. Well, you know, um, hopefully she doesn't put that kind of stress on herself and that we get other people to help her. Uh, you know, she's doing her job without a doubt. I mean, you know, she took her average from you know, mid-300s to over 400, you know, in the second half of the season. And that, as you know, is extremely hard to do. And she's been able to do it against all different types of pitching. And, and you can just look at our boss scores. I don't think I'm keeping a secret from anybody here that, you know, when she's hitting, we're winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so uh, she's kind of always on base. And Mia Scott's been a big part of that too. Uh, and we're hoping she's going to be the next uh, GOAT maybe, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but, it, you know, she is just phenomenal. Uh, has been consistent for us. Um, I think she feels it uh, between her. And, you know, we've got a pretty dominant senior class uh, coming through, along with uh, Arkansas too. You know, and if you look at their number, they've got a lot of graduate seniors and redshirt seniors in their class. Um, so it's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, I love Janae. She only went 7-14, of 14, you know, played strong defense, hits the big home run, which was great insurance. I'm sure you were glad to see that third run, you know, go on the board. Yeah, without a doubt, that extra third run, you know, you, now if, you know, if something happens in the final inning, you give up one base runner, it's like, okay, if, you know, Bomb can tie this thing. But, you know, it's a little different when you have that three-run cushion. You feel a little more comfortable. Uh, of course, they made us sweat it out, though. I mean, you know, having Kenzie Fiedler coming up with a uh, oh, wow. you know, runner on, and and I tell you, that last pitch Delcini made was a fantastic pitch. 
Yeah, I think you should make that a bumper sticker. When she's hitting, we're winning. That'd be a good <laughs> bumper sticker. So awesome, uh, Arkansas. Uh, I don't know what the how hostile it was there in Seattle. Arkansas may just be a different animal given the the old history and tradition of an old Southwest Conference rival. Is are they as rabid about softball there as they are about football and every other sport, Mike? Well, they've certainly uh, they've realized it's it's a it's a great sport, it's an up and coming sport, and uh, there's a lot of um, you know it's great TV, and so they've put a lot of energy into it. They've built a really nice stadium. They've redone some parts of it. They invested in a really good coach. Uh, coach Dyfel is uh, one of the best young coaches out there right now. Um, you know, so they're serious about softball, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you can see it in their program and. And their fans, I mean, I looked at it, I looked at the numbers of 3,000 fans packing that. And, um, nice. you know, that's that's what we need to invest in. Um, I think if we if we build it, they will come. Uh, and um, I'm hoping there's something down the line that I, I think uh, Crystal Conti sees that. But as we know, there's other things on the table too. It's not just softball. We, we have a really deep, um, you know, athletic department. And, and, you know, he's trying to look out for all sports, not just us. I mean, look at women's tennis, winning national title. Right. I mean, it's a, it's fun. Uh, it's are you talking expansion good. here? Are you gonna? Is Macomb's Field gonna grow as far as seating capacity, Mike? Well, we we did put those stands in, and we got up to over sixteen hundred. We set a record, so you know right. that's it. If they put the stands in and we fill them, you know, obviously there's a need for it, and that's what you've got to do. You got to test the waters first before you go build a three thousand seat stadium. Right. Uh, but if if we create the demand, and um, you know, by having a good product out on the fields. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? And, um, you know, hopefully there'll be a need for a bigger stadium. You know, um, they they have a – there's something about when Arkansas plays Texas in anything. Oh, and, yeah. um, <clears throat> and, and you know, Tech Kirk went to the football game last season, and I've been – I was out there in 04. It, it's a real hatred. Do you, do you, do you expect a raucous – hateful uh, beehive when you walk into Bogle Stadium on Thursday? Well, it, it's not exactly a picnic at Oklahoma or Oklahoma State either, you know. So, <laughs> You're um, ready for that. <laughs> but, no, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that familiar with the rivalry between Arkansas and, uh, and Texas. But, um, I, you know, I just hear stories and I know it. And, and we expect that wherever we go right now. I mean, let's face it, you, you know, if we do make the College World Series – you know, there's going to be uh, 12,000 Oklahoma fans there, you know. So, um, you know, it's um, – and as Del, Del Conte says and, and the other coaches say, you know, most schools have two or three rivals. I think we have like 12 rivals, so, you know. <laughs> At least. Everybody loves to hate Texas. Well, how about you get to see a familiar face in Taylor Ellsworth, the catcher who uh, started a career at Texas and is now at Arkansas, and she's pretty much tearing it up. She's got over 50 RBIs and hitting like 350 or something. What can you tell us about Taylor and the circumstances of her leaving and going to Arkansas? Yeah, Taylor's a really good kid. I mean, you know, I think she felt like a fish out of water last year when we put her in the outfield just because, you know, we felt Mary was a little stronger defensively, and she wanted to catch. You know, and, and that's fine. And I've always told them, if you don't like something, then do something about it. You know, and, and uh, she felt like she wanted to catch more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, I have, I have no gripe about that. Um, you know, like, again, she just didn't feel comfortable in the outfield. She'd feel like, and I saw a couple of plays, you know, she felt embarrassed by a couple of plays she made out there. And right. I get it. Um, she's, 
would we have loved to have kept that? Absolutely. I mean, the kid can hit, you know, and, and as we know in this game, uh, you really start to just start to, to learn the game when you get into your fourth and fifth year. You become more patient. You know, you're looking for types of pitches, and uh, I think that's what she's doing right now. She's got a great lineup around her, and she's getting pitched to, and she's able to, to make the adjustments. Do you, do you have to change strategy at all? Arkansas is such a prolific offense, and I don't know if there's going to be a, a 2-1 game or a 3-2 game. Do you, do you have to change strategy a little bit, Mike, to, to kind of keep up with this offense possibly? Well, possibly, you know, I mean, they always say when you're on the road, you know, you don't bunt as much and everything else. But, you know, right. once you score one, they have to score two. So I think the score and the situation dictates it, who's throwing, you know, what do we feel like, how are we throwing. Um, you know, it's just, you hate to box yourself into a certain strategy. And right. a lot of it is gut feel uh, on, on how you're doing. You know, what do we look like in, against the uh, bats against them? Uh, but I do like to score early, just at least even if it's one. I mean, you know, if we get the big ending, that's great. But having said that, you know, Arkansas is explosive. I think in the original against Oregon, they scored um, they scored six runs twice. You know, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, eight run inning, eight run inning, and a six run inning. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So that's my point is that yeah, you've got to be aware of that, and and that's what we've done well lately, especially with Dustin on the mound, is we're able to to limit those crooked numbers on the board. Well, it doesn't take a genius to know that you can't make it to a college world series if you don't make it to a super regional first. And you're you're twelve out of twelve getting the super regionals. Um, uh, when they brought you in here, people were excited, and and now they're even more excited because you get them to the doorstep, and you're so close. What's the buzz like in that locker room now? Because only two wins separated we know arkansas is great but someone's got to win the game and you guys have shown that you're strong on the road yeah i mean you know our mantra from last year was or the last two years has been one more equals 390 you know and it's a 309 mile bus drive from here to oklahoma city and you know two years in a row well 19 COVID year 20 but 19 and 21 uh, we were one win away both times, and uh, you know it was, it's it's hard to lose that last game. You you go the what if kind of route, but um, you know we feel like we're still building this program. Um, you know I'd like to have a you know our pitching stuff being a little bit deeper right now as far as performance wise, but they have the ability. I mean I know what they can do in the bullpen. It's just they don't have that experience of being out there. So you've got to be patient, um, and we've been patient um, but building this program. Um, you know, and I think some 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 better classes are coming in. I think we're going to be a little bit stronger in the future. Um, but right now, do we have the ability to win this series? Yes, we do. I think, you know, when you look at, um, you know, Janae Jefferson, you know, what she can do, Mia Scott, Mary Icopo has proven she can do it. You know, Parker, if we can get her hot, that's going to be a key for us. We need Mackenzie Parker to be able to get back to her form that she's able to produce. Uh, and, and that should help us a lot. You're going into the SEC territory. They had 12 teams, you know, getting the regionals, just more than anybody. I think Pac-12 may have had seven. But uh, three of them got knocked off by those Pac-12 teams. So uh, yeah. Mississippi State, you know, being one of them uh, and, and going up against Virginia Tech. How do you think your program stacks up uh, against SEC teams in general? Because would you say that's the Premier League or would you say the Pac-12 is? It's kind of a – you know, tough. I mean, I mean, I don't want to 
royal, royal any feathers here, but um, I, I think you'd have to say the SEC is, is pretty pretty tough. But I don't think there's been a, they're not as dominant as they have been in the past. I mean, you look at uh, Florida weren't quite as strong. You know, Alabama getting knocked off, they weren't the numbers weren't quite the same. I mean, there's seven on LSU wasn't quite as strong. I mean, you know, so overall, if you look at it now, the best the best are still there. You know, Arkansas have had a great year. Um, so you, you got to be careful on what you say about that. But Pac-12, um, good pitching. Uh, you know, I mean, UCLA with Faramo, they're going to be tough to beat. Um, you know, they did lose their top hitter uh, early on against us with the ACL. Right. Um, you know, so, and, and, you know, those type of injuries kind of play into it as well. And, you know, how, how lucky or unlucky you're going to be and what you can do and how deep are you uh, going into this. But, uh, you know, Florida State getting knocked off, that was huge. Yeah. right. Big. I didn't see that one coming. I mean, because yeah. they're they're a solid team, um, so <laughs> that's why you play, and and that's something we'll we'll hang our hat on too. It's like, hey, look, the the rankings don't mean a whole lot this time of year. Well, the last thing I want from you, Mike, is just uh, the pressure of coaching at Texas. I mean, you look at uh, Howard Joffe's won back to back national titles in women's tennis now. Uh, Edric Florial's won 11 of 14 indoor and outdoor men and women's tracks. Uh, Eddie Reese almost automatically has his name on a national championship trophy or runner-up trophy every year. Do you think about that pressure and, you know, or is that one reason why you came here for that kind of, you know, stage? Um, you, you know, it's not so much pressure. I think, you know, if you're worried about losing or worried about winning, it's, 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 it, is, it puts more pressure on you and then the team can feel that and everything else. I'm just a competitor. Uh, right. I hate to I lose. Uh, okay. Actually, more than I like to win. Um, right. You know, and, and like I said, if, if we lose, I'm up at two in the morning, and I'm thinking about what could I have done differently to have gotten the win here. And that's just, that's what drives me. You know, um, the conference where I'm at, I, I'm not looking at that. I'm not. You know, I, I, it's great to be surrounded by some great coaches, and, and trust me, I'd love to have my name in that Hall of Fame as one of the winning coaches. But you know. <laughs> Uh, like I said, it's it's more about you know can I get this team to play up to the level it's, it's capable of playing and then improving it uh, year in and year out so that we're a consistent top eight team in the years to come. But you're on a great run, and uh, my last word of advice is you know everybody wear flak jackets up to face. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are not going to treat you nice, Mike. I just oh <laughs> my god. It, well, it, and, and I've kind of given them some fodder in the past too, so you know, hey, <laughs> let them fod. Give give them let them fod. That's fine. <laughs> someone's got to win. The Texas Longhorns playing well. Arkansas going to play well to beat Texas, so. It's going to be an exciting Super Regional. Game one is 6 o'clock on Thursday, ESPN 2. Game two is 3 o'clock Friday on ESPN. And game three is TBA if necessary. Coach, we appreciate it. Good luck in the Super Regionals. Bring back a W, and we can talk talk about those 12,000 that will be waiting for you in OKC. I love that. Thanks, guys. Welcome. Thank you, Mike. Good luck to you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.